everyone. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 541, being recorded Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. I'm Jim Tannis. And I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Sebastian Peak. And we're glad you could join us this week. Uh, it's a, it's going to probably be a little bit of a shorter show, but we've got a bunch of news that's happened in the last uh, six days, I guess, because we recorded a day late uh, last week. So uh, let's let's uh, jump in here. Um, as I guess uh, some housekeeping things. As always, we record Wednesday nights at uh, we try to record Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, Thursday morning, 2 a.m. UTC. And uh, you can join us at our YouTube live page for now, although we are launching the, the long-awaited redesign of our website. That's going to launch uh, not this week, week coming weekend, but the following. So that will be live if everything goes well. And when that does happen, you'll be able to go back to pcpro.com slash live, where we'll have the embedded YouTube and chat uh, all in one handy place for you once again. We've we lost that when we transitioned uh, the site over at the beginning of the year, so that'll be good to have that back. But again, that's going to be two weeks from now. Uh, the uh, other uh, thing you can do if you want to join us live is go to pcpro.com slash subscribe, where you can join our mailing list, where we tell you when we go live. It's all we use it for. You'll get an email about an hour or so before a live event with the link and, and you know kind of an overview of the topics that we have planned for that night. Uh, so uh, check that out, pcpro.com slash subscribe if you want to uh, be notified. And uh, let's jump into uh, this week in the news. We've got a, something a little unusual to start with. Uh, no, this is the part of the show where we normally talk about reviews. Uh, and there was a product launch this week, but we don't have a review for it quite yet. And that is the GTX 1650, the lowest cost Turing entry thus far from NVIDIA. Uh, it launched, uh, was it yesterday, Sebastian, or yeah. Monday? Yeah, yesterday, so t- Tuesday it launched. But unfortunately, and we don't, we don't know exactly why yet, we think there might have been some, some issues with the drivers, but NVIDIA wasn't able to provide reviewers with a driver for the card ahead of launch. Uh, so we had the cards, Sebastian had a couple cards, and didn't have a driver to test them. So the card launched publicly yesterday. You can go out and buy it. And, and the driver came out with it. And we'll, we'll talk about that driver a little later. But we, we don't have the review because Sebastian wasn't start, able to start testing until the driver came out. So he's been busy testing. Um, and maybe he has a little bit to talk about uh, with us in terms of some, some teases of performance. But we'll have that review for you shortly. But it is worth noticing the worth uh, noting that the GTX 1650 is out now at a base price of 149. Uh, so, Sebastian, what are if you can share with us your initial impressions of this card? Very initial, because of you know, like you said, I've only had about a day. Although enterprising sites like uh, Gamers Nexus have already finished a review because you know Steve Burke doesn't sleep for an entire day. No, apparently not, and. Uh, the few hours I've been able to put into it, I've finally got initial testing done on one of the two cards we were sent, an MSI variant. Uh, what was interesting to me is of the two cards, this is a 75-watt card, just so you know. It's it's kind of like the air apparent to the GTX 1050, the card that you can drop into any system that doesn't require any kind of external power. Although the two cards that we received, one from MSI, one from EVGA, both have a six-pin power connector, so these... Are a little bit higher clocked variants have some overclocking potential, so I'll be looking at that. I haven't done any overclocking yet. Uh, haven't even actually looked at the results yet. I finally got benchmarking done on the card as of about 9 p.m. But this is a card that has 896 of those Touring 
CUDA cores. So it's the same architecture as the 1660, a much lower core count. This only has four gigabytes of GDDR5 memory. So we're, we're looking at lower performance and that lower price point. But as I put this all together, I'll have a better idea of exactly how it fits in. I know that AMD was definitely pushing the sort of price performance of the RX 570 against this card before it launched officially. So that's the one card I have left to, to get through to see how they stack up. But I am definitely curious to see how these two cards overclocked, see how close I can get them to a 1660 performance level. But that should be up tomorrow on the site. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot to talk about tonight because we're still in the middle of it. And we have a special guest. So it's the, the attack of the, the kitty. She, uh, she heard Patreon and uh, and someone said once a month she shows up, so they'll give us some money. So I, I think that's a good. What do you think, Rainy? I don't know, uh, but she's not here fighting with the other cat. Oh, she's take done what for you can get. I'm like Jim's gladiators. Oh yeah, they were uh, they were brutal last week uh, going at it at my feet, unfortunately. But uh, all right, so yeah, so stay tuned for uh, more from Sebastian on the 1650 and, and we'll have uh, the full review up at pcpro.com. So be sure to check that out. Uh, also continuing on with Sebastian, he has a couple cases. He's a case review machine. In addition to all the other hard work he does for us every, every week. Uh, he's got a couple cases to uh, review. The first one is the fractal design define S2 vision RGB. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Did Gigabyte is... uh, name that board? That. Uh, no, no but actually, feather. interestingly enough, I I used a gigabyte board in this build, Josh. Well then, but no, this is uh, if you've seen uh, Fractal Design already had a Define S two. It's very similar to this. The big difference with this particular case is this has four tempered glass panels out of the box, and there's two variants of this: one with and one without RGB fans and an RGB light strip. So this one has a light strip already installed. The three front fans and the rear fan are 140 millimeter RGB fans from Fractal Design. So this particular one ships at $239.99. And then there's the blackout version, which has no RGB lighting at all. And that's $189.99. Other like the actual uh, internal layout of this is going to be almost identical to the Define S2 that already exists. So it's a wide open internal component chamber. It has kind of an interesting setup on the back where you have these sort of cages for your three and a half inch hard drives instead of open trays. And those are flat against the back. So the case is a little bit more compact on the rear. There's only 23 millimeters of uh, clearance on the back for cable routing and just a ton of space inside the actual component chamber. We saw with the Define R6, the last uh, case of this size that I looked at from them was a, a lot of space on the component side for all of the potential hard drive storage. And this just kind of cuts that out. Would you be able to, in the back. You know, let me, let me cut in here and I apologize. Would you yeah. be able to scroll back up a little bit, uh, Jim? There you go. Stop. Um, have you ever considered being a hand model? No, for various reasons. I mean, look at uh, that poise. I was dangling, like, I'm holding the camera in one hand, I'm holding the power supply in the other. It worked, so I kept the shot. 
And and did you have a participle dangling as well? I uh, no, I sorry. I, I may have been talking. Yeah. To well, anyway, but I apologize for uh, you know. But yeah, yeah and, and for hand. our audio oh, listeners, look at how pointy your thumb a is. Hand holding a power supply. Where, mm-hmm. where my thumb is? It's it's an awkward stance, Josh. I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, but you're you're gripping you're gripping a little too hard. You can see the white on I the am. flesh there. You can there. see the white of my yeah. Yeah, you got to protect it those awkward. assets. It was it's awkward. An investment. You know what it's like to try to use a DSLR <laughs> with your non-dominant hand. You don't know what it's supply? like. What isn't that called the friendly stranger? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, my DSLR has has seen oh, it all. Lord. Has felt it all over the last five years. <sighs> uh, it's a really nice, clean build oh, when it all goes together. Nice. It's. I do have it's one serious of, question, though. Yeah. Yeah. And scroll back up to that last picture, Jim. Please don't show the hand. Can again. you change the RGB colors, or are they just gold? Yes. No, no, no. no it's it's hey, it's it's RGB, well, Josh. Yeah, it wouldn't that be RGB if it was. Yeah. Well, I you just, know, it's, 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 yeah, all the pictures they've been having that gold aura, gold glow, and it matches your motherboard okay. really nicely. I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. Here's why: because all the fans. And the RGB strip all have that common uh, RGB header cable coming out of them. So I daisy chained those all together and then plugged it into the motherboard. The motherboard was already set to this sort of gold color from the last review I did. So I just left it alone. And the uh, CPU fan and the motherboard colors and then everything in the case just automatically popped up the same color when I powered it on the first time. So I left it. But you can can set this to any color you want. I just happen to have set this using the the sync like the rgb sync software with my motherboard to this color because it's completely neutral as far as i know it's not blue for intel it's not red for amd it's not green for nvidia so i'm just i I basically alternate between this and purple because i don't think that you know shows any bias but who knows i could it could be backfiring maybe gold is you know the cyrix color or something but i am i'm pro cyrix I don't make any bones about that. Uh, pretty quiet. So wrapping up case. the review, how how is it? Yep. Pretty quiet case. Uh, it has all the stuff you'd want from a fractal design case. You get these basically to be utilitarian, to have all the space for everything you'd ever want. It has tons of different configuration options with radiators and fans and things. This has a, a interesting design with the top where you can swap out top panels, but you also swap out top brackets so you can either create additional fan and radiator room on the top or take it out and just have a nice clean look into your components with the smoked glass panel it comes with. And, you know, just little things like plenty of front case IO, something that's a little bit forgotten with some cases these days. This has a full complement. It has USB 2.0, 3.0, 3.1 Gen 2 Type-C. And if, if you like tempered glass, this is basically your Scandinavian design fractal design take on this and if you don't like tempered glass they have the non-tempered version of this that costs a lot less but with or without rgb we just happen to of course get the rgb version for this review but with or without rgb it's it provided enough airflow these are never going to be the super high airflow cases because it's got the, the solid front panel there was enough clearance that the front fans are not being suffocated we do have airflow it's just that the fans with my default fan profile from this motherboard did spin up a little bit more than a couple of other recent cases just because they had to to get the cooling. So 
you know, I think where I was approaching around 40 decibels under load, which is noticeable, but not bad. You have to make a little bit of a trade-off there for the style if you have some warmer components inside. And the price speaking is of something cases, else, though. What? 240 bucks for this thing. Yeah, that's that's a lot for Fractal. But if you too, go with an RGB, it's 190. Yep. So it's 50 bucks difference. Yeah. For the white strip and the LEDs. Yeah, but yep. if you if you you know if you think about it, adding four uh, pretty quality RGB fans to that price, you're going to go over the 250. Like Earth yeah, is 240 I, rather. Yeah, if you if you were to buy the blackout and then choose to upgrade it later. You know, the light strip's probably 20 bucks. The fans are probably 20, 25 each, unless you buy them in quantity. So it seems pretty fair. If you look at where Fractal's been with other cases, the Define R6 has been sitting around 149 for a while. And I've seen it on sale for a little bit less than that. And that's a tremendous bargain. So if, if you have no interest at all in RGBs, the R6 is still their, you know, flagship, kind of affordable premium mid-tower offering. And then the blackout version of this is kind of like step blast too, don't you? Is it one that yeah, you I didn't, lose the top I didn't one? Do you lose the back as well? That I'm not sure about. I didn't see the, okay. the it wasn't up this morning when I posted the review. I did not see if the uh, blackout version has the glass rear side panel as well. It's really dark tint though, so you can't really see any kind of cable mess back there because it's so dark. Moving very quickly along. There were a couple more case reviews that went up in the last couple of weeks since I've last been on the podcast. It's been like three weeks now. One of them was from Cooler Master. Check out the review of the Q500L if you're interested in a very small case. It's a micro ATX size case that still holds an ATX motherboard inside. And this thing is pretty crammed together when you use a full-size board like I did. But there is room for a full ATX power supply as well. You don't have to use an SFX if you don't want to because it has an ATX bracket and the power supply kind of sits along the inside of the front of the case, which, of course, does partially obstruct airflow. So if you were to use a smaller power supply, probably a little bit better numbers out of this. But interesting overall design. Uh, It can be laid horizontally. It has these magnetic filters for the top and front and a filter on the bottom, and it's only $59. So if you have toyed around with the idea of ATX in a smaller package, I've seen a couple of these on the market before, and this one I thought was really well put together, feels very solid. The only thing I could even really note about it was the the plastic side panel kind of does feel cheap, but we're hitting a price point here. So if they had a more expensive version of this with tempered glass, I think that would be a nice option as well. But check out the review to see some of the interesting features of this design. I don't know if any of you guys have any interest in cramming ATX into something that's about 15 by 15 by 9. But you don't get a lot smaller than that because you're talking about a board that's a little under 13 by 10. And I think you could actually technically cram EATX in this, but then you would have to somehow externally mount the PSU. Yeah, the power supply is like the limiting factor of how yeah. small you can fit. That's, it's the only thing on the inside the component chamber. If you take the, and the bracket comes out, so if you take that PSU out and were to somehow, you know, cram a SFX power supply in there somewhere, it's doable. You could put an even bigger board in here. But another, speaking of small form factor, 
this one was interesting. It's the Century 2.0. It was a crowdfunded case. It got funded. It's the second version of this, what they call the console size case. Very, very small. It takes the total. We've we've seen like the lower limits of case volume before with the N-Case M1 and the Dan cases A4 SFX, I believe is the model. And those were around 7, 7.2 liters total volume. This one's 6.9. And it cuts it down even further because it's using a horizontal setup and it's like side by side. You have a GPU on one side and then the motherboard and the SFX power supply share the other half. So it's it's about as small as you can even make a case that holds full-size components like that. One of the other differences between the other cases I mentioned and this one is this is steel, but it pretty much has to be to be kind of as hollow as it is. It would be a little bit different internally if they had to brace uh, aluminum for something that's this narrow and wide. But it's it's interesting. It definitely is not cheap. This is on the high side of those crowdfunded cases at $260 what the asking price was on uh, the Indiegogo campaign but that's that's a few dollars it is so to celebrate look at how compact that is yeah and look what I put in there you're not going to find this anywhere else not really you know I always think that when I see somewhere you know when I see the picture scroll back up Jim por favor when I see that SSD, I always think that you outline it post in red it really looks just like to highlight. It's just that that perfect color. It's like people, you know, doing arrows, pointing at crap that you don't really want to pay attention to, but they think is important. Yeah. Well, you that, do that, that every yeah, day. It, but this is a rounded rectangle that I add in Photoshop. Yes. Yeah. That's of course just a nice. it's a silver SSD that I okay, color I red. Better. Of course, anyway. your designers are looking exactly for that. That that look standing out it pops oh yeah and so does putting an rtx 2080 ti and an i9 9900k inside of a case that has a how 30 how does that what, puppy sound uh, it sounds like whatever you put in it i mean the 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 fan that i used <laughs> uh was not exactly up to the task but it tried very hard and at 3000 rpms with a 92 millimeter fan Torture testing that i9 CPU. Yeah, it was like 52 decibels. So don't do that. Use a more reasonable build if you get a case like this. Even if it is an expensive case. Just get one of those nice big house fans, lay it in its back, and then put this case on top of it. You know, someday we may have to do the box fan computer case build. But not today. But yeah, there's cases Man, galore I, I at the remember website. Back in the day, uh, Jeremy Alford from All 3D, or I can't remember, that uh, he lived in Indiana, and uh, it got to be minus 20, and he went outside in an overclocking experiment with the Celeron 300 to see how far he could push it. And he had a box fan blowing into that thing outside <laughs> at 20 below. It was... It was really he didn't get very far with it, but it was it was an epic, epic try. So I want to see you do that. You're in Michigan, right? It gets cold. It does. It gets very cold. I've thought about doing the thing okay. where you get like a, a vent hose and you run it out your window and then putting like much what blowing did. directly across the across the uh, system. But yeah, I don't know. Well, since it's summer, your wife would be so happy. Yeah. 
but you can't do that until winter. So for the summertime, what you need to do is integrate your water cooling loop into your toilet's reservoir. Okay, Linus. Hey, porcelain stays surprisingly cool, as anyone who's ever sat down on a toilet, even <laughs> in the middle of summer, can attest. And I'm pretty sure that was ghetto mods that did that back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought I thought a Linus video did something with bathroom fixtures and he may have cooling. as well. But did you see that guy? I mean, it was probably about 15 years oh, ago be. when water cooling was still going. He search. he put he put an 80 gallon tank. And he buried it in his backyard. And that was his, his cooling reservoir. And it just stayed at, you know, like 56 degrees all year round. I don't know if you, uh, do you remember that at all? And, it, you know, all the tubing and everything, like, went through a window. Wow. Huh? It was, it was, it was insane. If you don't have anyone in the house telling you not to do that, then. Exactly. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, uh, three uh, interesting cases, all well well rated by Sebastian. So check out the full reviews at PC Per. Uh, and he's also you've got some some additional ones we don't think we talked about even that are that are up there from the last month or so. So lots Possibly, of yeah yeah lots of case reviews. If you're looking for a case of any kind, compact, full size, RGB, we got you covered. All right. Um, let's move on. So into the news. Uh, this week, we saw Intel make a few uh, announcements. They, uh, first of all, and most interestingly, they launched their ninth gen mobile parts, their ninth gen core series mobile parts. They had a, uh, I guess it, it was a, a, a press call uh, last week, and then they launched them on Tuesday morning. So this is uh, in a way, it's it's big. In a way, it's it's the same old story. This again continues like just like we saw on the desktop side. This is still 14 nanometers. It's it's what are they? 14 nanometer plus 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 now. I I, I think three pluses. So uh, same underlying architecture, but just like we saw on the desktop, bringing additional improvements, including upping the mobile core and thread count to eight cores, 16 threads at the highest end. Uh, which is which is pretty significant. Uh, that, uh, the performance jump on that at a 45 watt TDP is impressive. And uh, let me see if I can find the parts here. So you can see here's the the uh, the, the list, the lineup. They launched their i5, i7, and i9 uh, SKUs. So at the top end with the nine, i9 or I'm sorry, i9 9880H and 9980HK, with the K being unlocked, of course. You've got eight cores, 16 threads, base clock of either 2.3 or 2.4 gigahertz, boosting to 4.8 or 5 gigahertz for that unlocked K part. 16 megabytes of cache, 45 watt TDP. And then looking further down the line, and this is, I think, important too, because when uh, AMD launched some of their Ryzen parts, they and and us made the point of saying, well, they're, they're all multi-threaded because Intel on the desktop has gotten away with or, or gone into using non-multi-threading on some SKUs. But with this generation, the, all of the parts they've thus, thus far announced in that i5, i7, and i9 range are all multi-threaded. So you've got the i5s at four cores, eight threads, the i7s at six and 12. And base clocks in the low to mid two gigahertz range, boosting into the, you know, as low as 4.1 gigahertz. And uh, for the i7s up around 4.5, 4.6. So a nice... Uh, 
range of performance to start. Obviously, we don't have pricing because these are mobile parts, so we've got to wait for the OEMs to get these into their their gaming and, and productivity laptops. Uh, so we'll see we'll see there. But I don't know. Was anyone surprised to see that all the parts were multi-threaded, or surprised about any of the other uh, any of the other specs here? I'm worried that it's an HK. Okay. I don't like my uh, CPU to be branded Hunter Killer already. Oh, That's how okay. You get <laughs> sure, sure. That's a lot of threads for the top end. It's a lot of cores. Yeah, and it's and got a pretty decent boost, but you got to wonder how to fit in that TDP. You know, how often does it hit that with how many cores? Uh, well, so it's it's going to hit single core at five. That's the yeah. rated. Um, that's the, still, that's for mobile. Oh, uh, sure. And, and as we'll see, uh, especially with like Asus, which we'll talk about shortly, they've had to, you know, they've kept this in mind in their designs and more and more companies are coming out with more exotic cooling solutions for their laptops, uh, you know, repositioning the vents, using different types of fans, using, uh, sort of like the, uh, the max Q style lift where you open the lid and the bottom pops down and, and adds ventilation in the rear. So, you know, cooling is a concern. Power draw is a concern um, when, you, when you push these. Uh, but, ha- you know, having the option uh, at that at that performance level, uh, and, and we'll see. We don't have any of these in hand. We have no laptops to test these. This was basically a, a, a paper launch where they gave us the SKU, or they gave us the, the, the information the, their partners are announcing their products but nothing thus far to actually test these. Uh, although, again, we kind of know what to expect. Obviously, adding those additional cores and that additional frequency is going to result in some performance improvement. But like I said, we're still operating on the same stuff as 8th and even going back to 7th in terms of the core underlying architecture. Uh, in terms of graphics, it's still the UHD 630. So nothing new there uh, for the integrated graphics option. So Intel... It's good to see that, that there's some additional options. They've squeezed that additional performance out of the top end, and, and we'll see how that works in practice. But, you know, I think we're, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're still waiting here for Intel. We don't know when that 10 nanometers is actually going to hit or when that next major leap will come. So I don't know. Any, what, any other thoughts on this, guys, in terms of, uh, in terms of the, 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 the performance or the, uh, the specs? You know, it should be nice. Uh, you know, they're probably going to be decent quality mobile parts, and they'll sell a bunch more of them than AMD. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting to see when they actually transition to 10 nanometer, if that brings any improvements over the really enhanced 14 nanometer, other than, you know, just getting that die size down in terms of, mm. you know, efficiency and transistor switching speed i think the 14 nanometer plus 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 or whatever that is now is is probably going to be much better than than the initial 10 nanometer offerings but um yeah they're uh i mean they're they're kind of struggling a little bit still in manufacturing i'm surprised they didn't have any other contingencies over the past five years than what we see being delivered right now uh, to to get them where you know they're they still have a a a process lead over their competition, and AMD's coming out with their seven nanometer stuff here in uh, the next month or two. Uh, at least you know going to show us 
And um, even though I don't think that AMD is going to get a, a big performance jump and just pure clock speed, they're going to be able to push out a lot of processors at that small of note as compared to what Intel can do. And so in theory, uh, when they're using these multi-chip packages, uh, AMD can provide a lot more cores, still provide, you know, good TDPs and power draw and, uh, you know, be able to produce as much as really they want or as much as TSMC allows them to. Um, yeah, it's going to be real interesting because there was other leaks today about another roadmap from uh, Intel and some of their um, not consumer type stuff, but uh, other products wouldn't be transitioning to 10 nanometer until 2022, which is a long ways away. But, you know, a lot of the, the consumer things, I think, are, are going to go 10 nanometer a whole lot sooner than uh, what that roadmap kind of specifies. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Well, it'll be interesting. And uh, I think in, in terms of, like you mentioned, Josh, not having a backup plan, uh, obviously, there, you know, the, the, it's, pretty, it's pretty clear now that they, they had to start over at some point in their, their development of, of their, or their approach to 10 nanometers. And this is, I think, it, I think this release was planned and now implemented them with them realizing that misstep. So I don't think, I mean, I think this was to be expected. Um, I, I read some comments uh, in response to this of, I can't believe it. It's another one without, you know, another one at the 14. Well, I mean, I think obviously this, this was not expected to be anything other than that. But, um, but as you said, they're sure getting good at 14 nanometers. They've sure figured that out. They've sure got, are. Uh, very, very good uh, efficiencies, and, and, and they've, they've got that down. So, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to test these. Look, work on their naming. Muscle books. Oh, yes. Well, I don't know where exactly, if that was entirely Intel's doing, but, yeah, the muscle book product category name is a little <laughs> a little bit uh yeah i don't know it's, um, if, if you're listening to this it's worth watching the video just for jeremy's disapproval yeah so yeah absolutely all right well also just quickly uh staying with intel they also announced their um uh, expansion of ninth gen desktop, uh, which was also, you know, sort of expected because what they launched last fall was a very limited range of products in terms of, uh, product segmentation. And, uh, so we expected them to launch some additional SKUs. I don't know if I expected them to launch this many additional SKUs, 25 new options at all the various price points and performance po uh, points. And if you're looking at the, uh, the video here, you can see the, we've got a chart here that they gave us the dark blue, the, the lighter blue is what was existing in the the lineup and the dark blue entries are all the new ones and so they've got new at the i9 level uh, you know, basically at every level uh including now pentium gold and celeron versions of ninth gen parts uh they all have various performance levels obviously different ram support different integrated graphics options but they all support optane memory as we saw last uh, month i think it was earlier this month Intel announced that Celeron and Pentium Gold systems would also support Optane. So that's continuing here. So if you're into Optane, any part you buy is going to work with it. But uh, man, this is, uh, this is a lot of market segmentation. It, it seems a little, a little bit insane. Obviously, there's, there's some, some product categories that they're, out, that they're hitting with some of these parts. But 25 additional 
skews. So that is a lot of options there. You guys got any thoughts on, on the expansion of ninth gen core for desktop? I'm wondering what's driving all these SKUs. Is it OEMs? Does Intel really think that they can they can have such a granular cut of the marketplace that they can do what twenty dollar intervals in between? That's that's just a lot of SKUs. It's that's a lot of different branding and packaging and do you really yeah. get that much out of it? I don't know. That's that's a lot of a lot of big questions in there and, and they uh you know, obviously they they hire people who do statistical analysis and product management and all of that stuff to uh, you know come up with these answers, and so it's it's a little strange, and it's almost it almost causes consumers to get more pissed off because I don't know why they do it, but yeah, it's it's uh, if you look at uh, it's like you know what what's the difference between these SKUs? It's a couple of bucks, but what do I really get? I mean, as compared to like, you know, the AMD 2600, which is all the threads, but much lower clock, much lower boost. And then you've got the 2600X for $30 more or however much. And, and you know, you've got faster clocks and you've got potentially faster overclocking and you've got unlocked performance and all of those things. But when you throw 25 desktop SKUs at the wall, what what the hell sticks? No, yeah, balance is a choice is a thing where you just sort of get confused and frustrated and stop doing what you were doing. And you'll get AMD and it's like, oh, got two, maybe four SKUs to choose from, and they're very clear. And I don't think many people are budgeting. It's like, oh, I can afford $18 more, but not 25 so I need that extra one in between. It, it's It seems too much unless there's some sort of a pre-built, like Josh said, there's some reason from the OEMs and the manufacturers that want this. I mean, I, I, I get that for sure. I think that if for somebody who's going to be building their own PC, like our audience and, and the enthusiast audience, they're probably going to be either buying the i5 and i7 and i3 parts that were announced last fall. Uh, there might be interest with this launch at the Pentium Gold because that's a good option for like some of these budget builds or even the Celeron in some cases, that middle range of all these sort of non-K i3, i5 SKUs, I don't know if that's going to be something people would even shop for. Uh, I'm not even sure which of these SKUs is going to be commercially available as like a go and buy it at Newegg kind of part. Um, and so I think for that market, if it's got to be the OEMs. Uh, I don't know, either either they're asking for it or Intel is forcing it on them. Not sure which direction. But at that point, they're they're selling to consumers a PC at a, at a basically a price level or a performance level. That's not identified by the processor part there, you know, well, this is your, your good, better, best kind of segmentation and they can, you know, they're, they're going to be volume customers or, you know, entry, like uh, entry level consumer parts that you can buy from Dell and HP and stuff like that. So I, I don't know if, if that's going to be confusing to customers because they're not going to be looking at that spec or if they do see that spec, they're not going to know to shop around and compare it. So I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's a surprisingly large number. And you're right. I think that AMD's market presentation with their simple product lineup is, is more appealing, you know, just from a, a clarity standpoint. But now we'll they've see. muddied the waters because they've got the 50th anniversary edition of 2700X coming out. Yes, that's right. I have they no do. idea what it adds. Yeah. 
It's a special it's got box. A box. Yeah, it's a special box. Lisa Sue signed something in there for you. Maybe. Is she going to give you a voucher if you decide to trade up for the new part that comes in like a month or two? What do you think she I is? I know. I was like, this. the timing seems a little odd. I saw that too. The 50th anniversary of AMD is this year. Why not just wait? I have a very special version of one of the Ryzen 3000 parts with the 50th anniversary box. Hey, maybe they will. Yeah, maybe. They maybe have to make, they have to make, it was what, April, end of April? Mm-hmm. Early May when AMD was founded 50 years ago? I can't remember. But you got to have a skew for that date. I don't know. Do you have to have one? Okay. Hey, anyone here who's attended, you know, has a degree in marketing? Anybody? No? Hey. Okay. Hey, Jim. Don't be like that. Ah. All right. Well, uh, armchair armchair marketing is a vital part of our uh, economy. Podcast as effective yeah. as real marketing. Uh, it 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 actually it, it it might be it might be. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's take a look now. Sort of related to those Intel announcements, at least the Intel Mobile announcements. A ton of companies obviously refresh their laptops with these new ninth gen parts. Uh, one of them uh, I was I got to visit. That was Asus. They had an event in Manhattan. Last week was the last. I've lost track of time. Recently, I think it was last week, and they had a full refresh of pretty much their entire gaming laptop line, and uh, some pretty interesting updates. Obviously, they're all featuring these new ninth gen Intel parts, but they've got some new designs and uh, some some interesting features that uh, that look pretty cool. So there's a ton of stuff here. Basically, they've segmented their Zephyrus lineup, which when the Zephyrus first launched, it had the weird design, if you remember, where the, the keyboard was in the very front and it was this very deep laptop and it was just blank space back there for the cooling. Uh, and that was their high-end Zephyrus. And then they had a, a low-end Zephyrus that uh, was more of a traditional line, or I guess a mid-range Zephyrus. Uh, now they've got a high-end Zephyrus, Zephyri, whatever, uh, with the traditional layout because that, that, that initial design was just not practical. Like you, can't, you couldn't take that into a meeting and look like just get away with you know it would, it would look too weird uh so now they've got this zephyrus s line which is their top of the line it's the gx 502 it's got uh ninth gen i7 parts a traditional layout uh rgb keyboard and rgb lighting around the the edge of the case and for the logo and stuff and they've got calibrated screen options up to uh, 240 hertz refresh rate up to rtx 2070 graphics up to 32 gigs of RAM, up to a terabyte of dual M.2 NVMe storage. Uh, so you can do RAID 0 if you if you want. You know, the standard I.O. kind of stuff, because this isn't an ultra-thin or anything. And so it's got, you know, several USB ports, audio, HDMI, good selection ports. Battery life is better. They say up to seven hours of productivity. Uh, or I think it was web, web browsing. But, you know, again, it's a gaming laptop, so you're not buying it for all-day battery life. But it, but it's not going to die on you within 20 minutes of pulling it off the charger. So that's good. And then they've also introduced additional mid- and lower-end Zephyrus systems. The GU502, the Zephyrus M GU502, that, that just has lower graphics and uh, processor options, only up to RTX 2060 on that as well. Uh, but still 32 gigs of RAM, dual, dual M.2 NVMe support. Um, it's got a Lenovo look to it almost. Yeah, that's... Apart from the that's, RGB. 
the well so and then if you don't want the garish rgb the zephyrus g oh, is go. just is just white uh white lighting uh it's still a, a lighted logo for the uh or a lighted color for the logo but just a nice simple uh i think they called it a subtle a more subtle design and uh with this one though it's also it's a ryzen 7 ryzen 7 3750h part for your uh cpu and up to gtx 1660 ti for the graphics so AMD, you know, Team Red folks, uh, this is an option for you. They've also got Ryzen processor options in their tough lineup as well. So nice systems here. They've got the SCAR and the Hero 3 systems, which are now identical except for the color. Uh, I believe the SCAR is black. Uh, no, the Hero is black. The SCAR is a gray color, gunmetal gray. And this, these ones are cool. They have RGB around the base and it's not too bad it doesn't look terrible it looks okay surprisingly kind of kind of nice actually if you pick the right colors there another key interesting feature with this is they call it the rog keystone this is a, a little fob thing uh, i guess you'd call it that plugs in and you each you'd have an individual fob that ties to your profile and automatically enables your game uh, game settings, Windows settings, and uh, things like uh, refresh rate, position of Windows, things like that, and and also can unlock a encrypted hidden storage volume on the drive. And they're positioning this as like for esports teams where the teams share laptops for events, which I didn't know was a thing because I'm not into esports, but apparently that's a thing. And you'd each have a key, and then no matter what system you walked up to, you put your key in, and it automatically logs you into Windows and sets up your Windows and your gaming software with your profiles. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And this is launching with this series, but they're looking to expand it and, and looking to also add additional features to make it more useful for like home users, enterprise, uh, you, you know, schools, things like that. On, on an ROG laptop, I don't know if the market is as wide there uh, you know, to really take advantage of it, but this is something they could, they could pioneer here and, and bring to their more consumer or productivity devices as well. So it's a nice, it's an interesting little kind of security and personalization feature. They, there's also the Strix, which also features the, the lighting around the, the base. Uh, this and the Scar and Hero were designed in collaboration with BMW Designworks. Uh, Asus and BMW's Designworks teams did the, the, uh, the new design for these. And then, of course, there's the Tough series, which as of this year, we talked about this at CES, Tough is now their sort of entry-level gaming uh, and these feature Ryzen parts for for the CPU, and and they're they're not they're nice notebooks. They're at lower prices, but they still kind of maintain that tough, durable feel. And then of course there's the mothership, which they launched at CES, which has just been updated to ninth gen processors, same same specs in almost every other category. This is their pseudo portable monster thing that kind of it's like a, a monitor that stands up with the keyboard that pops out. Very expensive, very powerful, kind of a, a an aspirational product you know i'm not sure how practical this would be for for most people three half terabyte m.2 nvmes and raid zero yeah this that is, doesn't sound dangerous at all well if as long as you're using proper data back uh backups it's it's fine you know data <laughs> security can fail faster talk about than any RAID before yeah um in terms of software they announced this thing called rog intelligent cooling which is what they're calling sort of their optimization between hardware and software to let you as a user pick your mode. So for some of those high-end Intel parts that we talked about, like the, the high-end K part, you can go to Turbo, which will let you run it at at beyond stock speeds, 
but it'll just be loud and you won't get as much battery life if you're if you're on battery. Or you can say, okay, I'm going to the library to study, go down to silent, performance drops, but it stays cool and quiet. And these are just an on-the-fly switch that you toggle through the uh, Asus uh, software. And that's available on uh, multiple SKUs. They're motherboard, uh, Mothership, Strix, and Zephyr systems. So overall, I I liked the, the, the designs. The designs in person... I'm not a big fan of gaming laptops in general. I think they went a little too crazy with the RGBs and the aggressive styling. But all of these seemed, they just, even though there was RGB galore, it didn't seem garish. It, it seemed almost kind of nice. And it was, the, the materials were, were nice in the hand. They were they were sturdy. There's a lot of like um, sort of a carbon fiber kind of style to the finishes on some of these. Nice sculpted edges, good, you know, the, the vents looked, looked clean and, they just overall, almost every system had a very nice, clean look to it. Where you wouldn't, you wouldn't feel out of place taking it to a boardroom for a meeting or something. Um, and then, obviously, in, in terms of the gaming styling, it still maintains that that ROG look. The the only uh, thing I had a little reservation about is the bright glowing ASUS logo on the on the lid, um, because that is it's bright red. I mean, it is RGB controllable, but by default, it's, it's very bright. And and very uh, it stands out quite a bit, but everything else seemed it seemed pretty nice. These are nice updates. Um, I'm hoping to get some hands-on time. We were in a, a showroom, so we could look at them and touch them, but couldn't really, you know, pick them up and walk around and and, and put them through their paces. So I want to get a couple of these in to review and and see how they look. But uh, overall, very nice updates from ASUS uh, for their ROG lineup, and these are all launching uh, this quarter. Uh, so, so, you know, check, we don't have exact availability. They said a couple of the systems would be available today at Best Buy, uh, but my local Best Buy did not have them. So I don't know where the rollout plan is there, but you should be seeing these show up shortly. Just if you're not sure which generation you're looking at, just make sure if it has a ninth gen Intel part, it's one of the new ones. So, uh, so be on the lookout for those. Anybody here use an Asus gaming laptop? No, not yeah. currently. I have, they, uh, this is a pretty radical redesign, though. Although we've seen thinner and thinner designs with like the Max Q and that sort of thing. The last one I had hands on with kind of resembled a, like a sports car, like the huge rear end and the giant uh, exhaust. So, mm -hmm. remember very, the Ferrari branded Acer laptops? Yeah. yeah, I think there was, yeah. I think Ryan had one in the old office. I think there was one in the yeah. back room. Was it right? Acer? Hmm, okay. I, I know I had Acer, a, and then was an MSI Asus did Lamborghini, form, didn't he? Okay, I can't remember who that was did a the thing Lamborghini. for a while. Yeah, yeah. There, there yeah, was my laptop is well. We can blame an BMW Intel for Ultrabook. It. Intel Ultrabook. Stop interrupting me, Jeremy. You and your uh, Canadian yeah. packets are getting so late. <laughs> anger, anger. Yeah, no, uh, my laptop is is this, you know, kind of one-off Intel-designed Ultrabook that was a proof of concept. So, yeah, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm so out of the loop in laptops, it's not even funny. Yeah, there, there was certainly a period where gaming laptops went crazy with the designs, and they're, I'm glad to see them bringing it back, getting that power, but, but keeping it subtle. Uh, and just quickly, speaking of that, there, like I said, there were a ton of companies that updated their laptops uh in terms of who contacted us uh with their their info uh we heard from msi they had uh, a, a range of their their gaming laptops uh all updated both both with 
ninth gen Intel uh, parts as well as the new 1660 mobile part, the GTX 1660 for laptops. So that that also launched uh, this week. So uh, those are available there, different models, uh, and you can check out MSI's website for their complete specs. And then Acer as well, uh, of course, updated not only their gaming laptops but their uh, their creative uh, laptops, the the Aspire series, which is sort of like the the artist and designer focused model. So uh, some some good options there if you're an Acer fan, and, and a good prices starting as low as I think seven ninety nine for for some of these. But uh, but yeah, those are the uh, the laptop updates that, that we saw. Obviously, there's a ton of others. I know Razer did their updates. Dell has stuff coming out. So yeah. so check when you're buying. In, if you're in the market for a laptop now, uh, check to make sure you're getting those ninth gen parts. Or if you're if you're not, make sure you're getting a discount for getting the older stuff, for sure. But uh, all right, what, now are these gonna... companies going to have left for Computex? I feel like. Well, there's been so many new laptops just in the last. Well, that's true. Yeah, it'll be all AMD all the time at Computex. Yeah, I mean, thirty different that's... Intel models. Well, that's true. Intel Humphreys. could always just yeah, Intel could just start yeah. taking another huge. fifteen SKUs. Yeah. <laughs> yep, fifty cent segmentation. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and uh, we're going to hear from our sponsor this week, which is Clear. Now, uh, you may not have heard of Clear. Um, they, they've been around for a few years now. In fact, they were out a few years ago uh, in, in their original implementation. They're back now with a, a new service. And with Clear, Clear is all about getting you where you need to go faster. That's pretty much uh, the core of the message. You know, because for better or worse, security screening is now a part of the experience at public venues like airports and stadiums. And at the same time, biometric security, you know, using you, you as the password is becoming more common. Things like fingerprints and retina scans and stuff like that. And one one company is at the forefront of that, of that transition to helping us get where we want to go faster through biometric security, and that's that's Clear. Clear is, like I said, it helps you get through security faster at places like airports and stadiums. It replaces the need for physical ID cards using your eyes and fingertips instead. So that means you get through those security lines, reach your, your gate or your seats, without the anxiety of missing your flight or missing the kickoff. Signing up is easy. You go online, create your account, and then head to a clear location. Once you're there, a clear ambassador helps you finish the enrollment process, and then you can immediately start using clear. And the way this works is you go to a place that has a clear location. There's the normal line, and then there's the clear line. You go to the clear line, you scan your fingers or look into the uh, the retina scanner. Because you're enrolled, it, it, it clears you through, hence the name clear. And then a clear ambassador takes you right up to the security line where you get through and right through into your into the venue, whether it's the airport uh, terminal or, or the stadium. And right now it's available at over 40 airports and stadiums across the country with more being added every day. And for me personally, even if Clear is not available at like your local airport, because when I started using the service, it wasn't. It's not here in Cincinnati. But if you travel a lot, it's still worth it because it's at the airports you're going to be traveling to. So if you're a frequent traveler, you go to, you know, you're, you're returning from a flight. Like for me, I was at San Francisco. I'm running a little bit behind. I'm looking at the security line. It's a mile long. I go up to the Clear uh, checkpoint or Clear, uh, I don't know what you call it, the Clear clear line. I scanned my fingers and I was through security in five minutes. It's unbelievable. I mean, 
not every time is it going to save you, you know, save you an hour, but it only takes one. It only takes one of those like moments where you're running late and the security line is, is just around the door, around the corner and you get through in a minute. It's, it's just that one time and it makes it so, so worth it. Plus family members can be added at a discount rate and children of clear members, uh, are for free. Uh, sorry, children under 18 can be enrolled for free when they're traveling with you. So you don't have to separate from your family or go through the regular line if you're traveling with someone as long as you've enrolled them uh, with you. Clear has made an immediate improvement to my travel experience, and we really want you to try it for yourself. We've got a deal that we talked to, we talked to them about here. So PC Per listeners can get two months for free, absolutely free. Try it out. Travel as much as you want. Go through as many checkpoints as you want with Clear for two months free. Just go to clearme.com slash PCPer and use offer code PCPer when you sign up. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash PCPer. Clearme.com slash PCPer. It's really uh, an incredible service if you travel frequently, if you have season tickets to the stadium uh, to see your sports team or, or go to concerts or anything. Check it out. Two months for free. We thank Clear for their sponsorship of the PC Perspective podcast, and I I personally thank them for saving me tons of time in the last month. I mean, they've probably saved me two to three hours in the last month getting through a security at airports, and that's time I would have lost completely or been stressed out without them. So check that out, clearme.com slash PCPer. All right, back to the show. So we are... Uh, continuing on here, we've got. Hey, uh, one real quick, Jim. Yes. Do, do you have to? Do you have to take an e meter test to get clear? No, no. This is uh, un- uh, not affiliated with any uh, any nonsense. Gotcha. Can you yes. pay them extra to be separated from your family and children? Uh, you don't even have to pay extra. You can just choose to say, <laughs> "Okay, kids, go in that line, and I'll see you in an hour." And then you can get through security and have a drink in peace while they stand in line for you. This sounds valuable. It is incredibly awesome. And just, just, uh, uh, just like I said, two months for free, just give it a shot. If you're going to be traveling somewhere, it, it's amazing. So um, uh, checking out uh, the next story here. Uh, as we mentioned before, there was the 1650 launch and the drivers were missing for that this week, but those drivers did launch. That's driver 430.39, uh, GeForce Ready, uh, Game Ready driver. And one of, uh, one of the things it added was support for the 1650, uh, but it also uh, added, um, well, in addition to the usual like game stuff, in this case it was Mortal Kombat, plus a few different games where it up support, uh, up, uh, excuse me, proved performance. The other big feature was that it added seven new monitors to NVIDIA's G-Sync compatible Program. Now, if you don't recall, this is the program where they, they launched it, uh, I think at CES, so a few months ago, where you you can use your FreeSync monitor with your NVIDIA card to get variable refresh, uh, basically G-Sync without the G-Sync in the monitor. And you can use it with any FreeSync monitor, although they only, you know, approve it in terms of like guaranteeing a certain experience with specific displays. And they had a, a list to launch. They've added some over time to that. And with this launch, they've added seven additional displays. Uh, those are the Acer KG271, Acer XF240H, Acer XF270H, Aopen 27HC1R, Asus VG248 
sorry, 248QG, gigabyte Aorus AD27QD. That's a big one because that's gigabytes, I think, first monitor that they launched earlier this year yeah. as well. Um, and uh, LG 27GK750F. That's a, those are a, is, a big mouthful this, of letters. Is this a product list or a vision test? Uh, both. And it's Jim, both. you didn't you didn't use those subtitles. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Bidum tickets. Bidum bjekapuker. Bidum perpetics and perpetics. Yes, I'm not. Uh, yeah, so you, you can see the full list. It, I, I, I'm not sure exactly with Acer in those additional letters. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I, mean, I don't know exactly what differences those indicate. It might be regional, um, but they don't seem to matter. If you just search the the first set of letters and numbers, you'll find the the monitor. So and notice so how both Aopen and LG are starting to copy them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not not a good trend there. We need the we need more are getting bigger so they can fit more characters around the screen. Yeah, gigabyte still still rocking the uh, yeah. the at least initially including the a product name you know the the Oris brand. So that's that's good for them. Good on them. Um, but check out the list uh, at PC Pro or you can go to Nvidia's site. They've got, Nvidia has a list of all of the uh, GSIN compatible displays that you can see uh, to check there and you know. It's it's great to see this program continuing. Uh, I think we were all a little apprehensive when they announced it in terms of how how dedicated they'd be to supporting it. Uh, and so far, they're doing a great job. They've they've added support for for more and more displays over the uh, the months here of this year. And uh, there's quite a number of GSync compatible displays. And again, you don't need to have a compa- one that's been certified to use it. You can turn the feature on in your driver as long as you have a FreeSync display and it might work. It might, you know, we, we've seen some reports that it works fine on some displays that aren't certified. We've seen others that say there's problems, there's flickering and other issues and artifacts and stuff, but it's up to you. You can turn it on and test it yourself. So there's no need to wait for G or for NVIDIA to bless your display before you try this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, check that out. It's uh, uh, good to see that, that, that feature expanding in support. So Anybody have any thoughts? Any other thoughts on, on this uh, on this program or or any other of the features in this new driver? I'm just scrolling down the list on their site, and one nice thing is that the monitors they've picked to be G-Sync compatible, they all have a pretty wide refresh range. Like the lowest one I'm seeing, I think, is 48 to 144, and we we have like 30 to 144 or 48 to 240, so pretty wide ranges where there's a lot of monitors out there that have a very small refresh range so this will not be on this list that was one of their criteria Good yeah to see it expanding still yeah i mean it's 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 i think they just weren't selling as many g-sync displays as they wanted to because it is the g-sync like when especially when you have a a monitor brand or model that has both a free sync and a g-sync option those g-sync options were so much more expensive uh, than their FreeSync counterparts. And so this still allows NVIDIA to offer this as a feature. And, you know, they're still selling the GPUs. And, it, you know, I think it's it's good. And then plus now, if you if you do go out and buy, if you're an NVIDIA card owner, you buy a FreeSync display and you're able to use this, you can then transition to an AMD card down the road and, you know, not not be, not have to go buy a new monitor to maintain 
support for variable, variable refresh. So pretty cool there. All right, Jeremy's got a story for us on some some news about uh, 5G rollouts. Apparently, uh, some some comments well, about the practicality. Uh, yeah, wireless is tough. It is. Yeah, it, this 5G has been one hell of a launch. So we've already had Timo and AT and T going at it for 5G E, which was like 5G but not. Uh, we've had Qualcomm and Apple make up, which is just truly shocking. And now because of the way that some of the higher speed 5G, which is of course what's being advertised, it turns out it's not even going to be rolled out across entire cities because millimeter wave, which is the, 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 as opposed to like the 600 megahertz and beyond that this mostly sits at for long range transmission, the millimeter wave stuff, anything blocks it. A window will degrade it. A, 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 a door will spot out, block it completely. So you're going to need line of sight to a tower and hope like hell the bird doesn't fly by it because it is very, very sensitive to interruption being, you know, a millimeter wave carrying your data. So it's looking like when it gets rolled out, it will be in certain areas of major cities. Now, the larger the larger wavelengths will be, of course, available uh, as, as a 4G sort of spread out. You'll eventually see it in rural com communities and that. But they'll never see the advertised speeds that we've all been hearing about for 5G because all of that was based on perfect conditions on something that really is going to be incredibly limited. You're, you're really not going to get this sort of benefit unless you luck out and are sitting near Peter. It, it also uh, in that was uh, an interesting fact that some of the frequencies that uh, the 5G will be working on are also in the water band. So they're, they're significantly affected by water. And not only is this going to mean that, you know, heavy fog, uh, dense cloud cover is going to degrade, not kill, but degrade your signal over over uh, a long period or sorry, long lengths of distance being traveled. It's going to screw around with weather forecasting because all of a sudden the sensors that they're using that are bouncing out and looking for the return of these specific bandwidths are actually going to be receiving 5G signal that's being blanketed ubiquitously across the area. And so it, what may look like a giant... Uh, storm cloud rolling in or a tornado could just be a bunch of people streaming the latest game of Thrones on their phone. It's going to be ugly from the looks of it. Like we've got some benefits out of it, but overall 5g is going to be really, really interesting to sell. And at this point there is a phone that if you buy an adapter for it, will be 5g. And if you're really, I don't know of any others. All I know is that there's that one uh, model that you can get an adapter for. It's an LG. And other than that, you're not going to find a network supporting 5G unless you are within one of the test areas, of which Hawaii was one. Uh, I think there's a couple other U.S. cities as well. Yeah, Chicago, I here. Think. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a nasty rollout. That's that's interesting because you know so much is being um, uh, pegged or you know so much is relying on five G in terms of 
features and services and technologies that are in the works have been promised. I mean, everything from like Google Stadia and things like that, you know, the game streaming to the videos that you mentioned, getting getting your Game of Thrones kicks to, you know, remote surgery surgeries for for doctors. Yeah. Everyone's saying 5G, 5G, 5G. If, if it's not going to be, if there are problems or if, if the, the super fast, you know, what we think of as 5G, that super fast, super low latency speeds are only available in tiny pockets, that, you know, there's going to be a lot of readjusting and a lot of... Uh, a lot of investments that are are going to feel it uh, if they don't pan out. It's, it's going to be a little bit better than 4G for the most part, from the looks of it. Yeah. Of course, we don't have it, I have, so this is cracked. I have a vision of uh, 5G drones just following people around. Like your own little microsite is a drone that's about you know three feet above your head, the satellite dish on it, and it's just providing you with your bandwidth wherever you go. But. <laughs> Their, personal personal area I, network to to an extreme yeah, <laughs> yeah. and just and forego the wireless connection for ultimate reliability yeah for ultimate reliability though just have a cord dangling down and just directly attached to you somewhere on your person there you go and they'll need that because we'll be so fixated on our phones we'll continue to walk into traffic like it'll even be worse than it is now so the cord right, can tug on you can if you're you, actually yeah, pull you back yeah, when you yeah. when you take the uh, wrong step so unfortunately it's geolocation is on 5g and so is the cars so oh yes (laughs) all buildings will definitely yeah Yeah. it'll be a whole new meaning to the word dead zone oh oh all right um let's see we've got uh one last story here uh i think i got the tabs out of order here we go something else jeremy found for us uh some some new uh capacities for micro sd cards uh, lexar one terabyte it's a demo you're not allowed to buy it but yeah it is one terabyte in your normal sdxc form factor and if you look on it uh, you can see that a2 uh, which you may remember two or so years ago al sort of dug into what all of these classes mean and there, there's more than you might think so this is an A2 or a class 10 because you have to have two names for everything now, which means you're guaranteed uh, 4,000 IOPS random read, 2,000 IOPS random write, and about 10 megabits of uh, sequential write, which is good because, you know, if you've got a terabyte, you're going to be filling it up with HD stuff. They, they're sort of describing it as about a half a million pictures or 80 days of recorded video Again, all on this thing the size of your thumbnail. It is wild and wacky, considering how much you used to have to pay for even a 128 or 256 gig one. That's not so how much do we have to pay for this? Well, it's uh, if you have to ask. Now, right now it's a prototype. They're they're thinking about releasing it, but they're probably going. So that's gonna how retail for how much? Okay, maybe one of the 480 gig ones looking at right now. They're you know slightly under two hundred bucks, I think. Um, yeah, they're. Uh, let me see, fifty cents a gig or so. The last time I think I looked, uh, one hundred and forty for a Samsung five hundred and twelve gigabyte, but okay. it does not have the same speed rating. This is nowhere near. Well, no, it's a U three. This is a U three. Okay, so it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 going to be hard to justify that with a being 
you know, a professional videographer. Well, for now, just I mean, someone who likes having 80 gigs worth of or 80 hours worth of continual uh, data monitoring going on around them. Well, they need something to record all those 8K vlogs that, that they'll be shooting on their their Snapdragon 10 series smartphones. So And streaming over 5G to someone else. Well, mm-hmm. not too far away, though, because the network's only about <laughs> you know a square mile. But uh, awesome. All right, well, we'll uh, keep an eye on, on Lexar, and I'm sure others, I'm sure Samsung and others will be uh, hot on their heels at those capacities. So I think that's it. I think that's the, the last news story for the show. So let's jump into our picks of the week. I just need to pull Sebastian's up here because he got his in late. He's late. He's always late. Okay, so uh, so my pick, uh, as Jeremy uh, indicated, uh, is is interesting, and uh, I'll, I'll explain. So first of all, this pick uh, was recommended to me by uh, Brett, who is friend of the site, and our web developer, who is been working tirelessly for weeks to get our new site up. So uh, he, he set this over. It's a Micron SSD, SATA SSD, so not the fastest. If you recall, Alan reviewed, he didn't review this capacity, but I, I don't believe, but he reviewed this class of drives uh, a year or so ago. They're not very fast, but they're cheap. And this is a four terabyte SATA SSD for $430. Uh, it's over at OWC. They have... Uh, Occasionally, they'll, they'll have sales on, on third-party products that they have uh, in stock. And so that's at 430 for 4 terabytes. That's a little bit less uh, than the equivalent 4 terabyte uh, drives, like the, the QLC drives from Samsung and the, um, the uh, 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 what's the other brand that has that? Uh, uh, SanDisk. Uh, so, you know, Western Digital slash Sandus. So, there are some four terabyte SSDs out there. They're in the five hundred dollar range. So, this is a little bit cheaper than the ones I've seen. So, again, not super fast, but it's going to be faster than a, a spinning disk for sure. So, if you're looking for sort of if you need like a, a mass drive to just dump your your game files on or video files, and you want them to perform a little bit better than um, than a uh, spinning hard drive, this is one of the best prices I've seen at, at this capacity. Uh, for this drive. And we, we use uh, the two terabyte version of this. We used it as a steam cache drive in our NAS. Uh, if you recall back in the old days before the, the Intel Exodus, uh, Ken, uh, Ken and I set up a, a steam cache on one of our NASs at the office, did a little article on it. And we were using the two terabyte version of this to store our cache files. Worked fine. You know, you're still getting several hundred megabytes a second of speed, low, you know, low latency in terms of or compared to spinning drives. So that's the uh, the Micron four terabyte uh, SATA SSD for about four hundred and thirty dollars over at OWC. All right, uh, next up we've got Jeremy. No, I'm not really into driving games. There there is somebody who is, and they did a review of this and gave it quite good marks. And I happen to notice that it's on sale for fifty percent off with the wheel and the foot pedals. So if you're looking for Dumping into uh, Josh's little, which one are you doing right now? Dirt 2? Uh, Dirt, Dirt Rally, Rally 2.0. But he's got a league going, so if you need uh, to upgrade your equipment with something that's not super top of the line, but is really good for 250 Canadian, I think it's about 215 or so American right now, uh, it means you can get in there without 
a huge investment. I think really I saw like it for one, sale you? for 182 a couple Jeez. of weeks ago here in Amazon. From that. Amazon. Oh, that yeah. good old Amazon. Amazon. All right. So that's, that's the Logitech. It's Logitech. a good, good wheel. Yeah, yeah. And check out Josh's review. We'll link the review as well um, when we post the show notes uh, linking to this. So so check out Josh's reviews. Uh, and this is the Logitech G29 uh, driving force racing wheel. And this is the uh, PS4. Yes. Uh, they, they have, uh, because of the different control schemes, they have PC slash Xbox and PC slash PS3, PS4 ver- variants. So uh, this is the PS, the PlayStation and PC version. So, so right. be aware of that if you want to use it on your console as well. All right, Josh, what have you got for us? Um, you know, this was brought to my attention today. It's an interesting kind of product. It's a, a battery pack. It's what, um, 50, 6,700 milliamps. It's also a SD card reader that you can plug in a, uh, a storage drive to, whether it's an SSD or a spinny or whatever. So if you're on the road, you're a photographer, you're recording videos, you're doing outdoorsy stuff, and you've got your Hero Pro or whatever, and you want to quickly transfer that SD card to a drive, you can use this. It's also wireless. It does pretty damn much everything. If if you were going to a conference and you were taking a ton of pictures and you want, you know, that kind of functionality, it, it does damn near everything. It's it's kind of bizarre. It's an all-in-one thing that has battery and transferability and wireless and it's nuts. Media share. Who would have thunk? And it's only 60 bucks. So it does a ton of things. I'd be yeah, interested nice. to see this in action and everything you could do, but you know, for not a whole lot of money, you have a ton of things that that this little product will do. And, it will uh, not make julienne fries. <laughs> well, not with that attitude. No, but so it's uh, a power bank. So just plug in your USB power julienner, and away you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A no brainer. Uh, and four and a half stars, assuming you can trust the reviews still, four and a half stars out of five with 120 reviews on this product. So so worth checking out. That's the RAV Power File Hub. Travel router, wireless SD card reader, connected portable SSD hard drive. I think. I know. It does all kinds of crap. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we got, we're in that, uh, that, that zone where... Too many companies are trying to game SEO by putting unreal, well, putting like products features in the product name. It's getting yes. out of hand, out of hand. But on Amazon, this it seems like everything has that. There's like thirty or forty words, and it's a wireless charging pad. Yep. And then it gets to the point where they're they want to get like it's it's something for iPhone seven or eight but not 10 or 10s. And so they'll put in the product name because they want to get those searches too, not 10s in high, in a parentheses or something. Um, uh, one point font. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, Sebastian, what have you got for us? Uh, not very exciting. It's not hardware. It's an audio book. I l- finished listening to, uh, just yesterday journey to the center of the earth. So not exactly a new 
book. It's the Jules Verne classic. This one was read by Tim Curry. There's more than one version on Audible. This is fantastic. I have not heard an audiobook read read by Tim Curry before, and he is just remarkably good. He made it a lot more engaging than I think it otherwise would have been. So if you have any interest at all, if you've ever done like an audible trial or anything like that, it's there's some stuff on there where it kind of transcends your typical book on tape kind of format. This one does not have music, does not have sound effects, but you kind of wouldn't realize that listening through it because he's obviously, if you know Tim Curry at all, very, very distinctive voice. He does character voices. He's very good at building Antissa. Patient? <laughs> he he's, an, he's an international exactly. treasure. I love Tim Curry. He surely is. Now I just they try to think of more like a picture show. Them, Thanks. Yes. Mm. Now you couldn't, you couldn't have waited till a week where uh, Audible was a sponsor, huh? No, <laughs> but I have, I have an endless They have more than supply, one book. So they do. Yeah, that's true. Although I wonder, I, I honestly, constantly. I don't know how long the, like when, when they are a sponsor, I don't know how long their codes last. So if you want to try this, give it a shot. Go to audible.com slash PCPer and use offer code PCPer and see what happens. I don't know. Yeah. It's, you know, if you're a new customer, you'll get a free, you'll get a free either way. Um, and, and they are not a sponsor this week. And I am personally a member paying with my own money. So yeah, uh, I bought those this book as well. With yeah. my monthly credit, but but hey, give it a shot if you're if you're not a member, you want to try it out. Uh, see if our old offer code still works. I have no idea. But uh, all right, well that's the show. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, again, we record Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, usually. Uh, that's uh, 2 a.m. Thursday morning UTC, and uh, you can find us at our YouTube page where we stream live, and then we have the edited version of the podcast with the sidebar and the topics and all the notes. That goes up usually the day after, the morning after. Uh, that's there. Yeah, if you uh, And you can find that posted both at our YouTube page or at PCPro.com. We have an article page for each show where you can get all the uh, all the links and all that, the, the good stuff there. Uh, join our mailing list at PCPro.com slash subscribe to know when we go live. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, stay tuned. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, uh, we should, there might be a little bit of downtime over that weekend. There was some unplanned downtime this past weekend, uh, damn DNS. Um, but uh, assuming all goes well, uh, the weekend after this coming weekend, you should see a very, very different PCPer.com. We're very excited to to finally get that done, moving to WordPress. And uh, yes, fingers crossed. Uh, so we'll, we'll look forward to that. And uh yeah, speaking of our, our downtime this last weekend, I, I can't recall uh, right off the top of my head here who said it, but one of our uh, Discord uh, members put a lovely graphic uh, in the public Discord channel when we were when we realized it was DNS, and it was a picture of a haiku, and it said, "It's not DNS. There's no way it's DNS. It was DNS." So, so I, really I appreciate that. Uh, whoever posted that, thank you. Uh, that turned uh, a very stressful Saturday night into uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit brighter for me. So, so thanks for joining us. I hope everyone has a fantastic week, and uh, we will uh, see you next time. Bye, everyone. Mm-hmm.